Hey, lifers, and welcome to another episode of Because Life Can Be a Niche Podcast. Thank you so much for joining and coming in the living room. We got another great episode. I cannot wait for you guys to get a piece of this. Um, I'm so excited to uh, to be uh, with this brother today, but you guys know how we do it. Follow us on um, social media at Katie Bryant Writes. That's K. D. Bryant writes. Also, you guys know if you're listening to this wherever you get your podcast, thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to come over and watch on our YouTube channel as well. Life can be a niche. Um, and if you're watching, hey, hit the subscribe button. It's free. It doesn't cost you a thing. We appreciate if you share it, tell your friends about it, get engaged with us, get in the comments, tell us what you want to see, what you want to hear, so that we can um, just build together and just do more together uh, on this channel. We love having you in the living room with us. And you guys know how we always start off with a tea. I, of course, have this cup. It is uh, not a tea cup, but it's my cup. And I love it. It's my Because Life Can Be a Niche Cup. If you like a because life can be a niche cup. Hey, you know, we have these available, so we'd love to get one out to you. But aside from that, the tea of this episode, and, and I was trying to think like, okay, I've, I've shared so many different teas that like I really like, and I'm always coming up with my favorite tea. But this time I'm doing a little different tea because it's something that I tried that I'm not really, I'm not a fruity tea kind of person. I will drink fruity teas. I found some that I like, but this tea, lemon zest. And I told you guys, I love the loose leaf teas, but it's just so refreshing. And now that it's warming up outside and it's getting to be springtime, this is just a light, refreshing taste. It, it just opens up the sinuses and everything else. So the tea of the episode is lemon zest, but that is not even, you know, get that tea, try it. Tell me what you think. Recommend your own teas to me. But let's get into the topping. Money, money, money. But not, but not just about making money, about leaving a legacy. That's what this episode is about today. We have Lee Johnson in the house. And I have to just set it up with a little bit of background about who Lee is to me. Um, because you know, it's 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 funny how you meet people. So Lee and I work together because I still have, you know. A full-time job so we work together in the corporate world and we are on a team together the uh, black team members uh, have a group where we meet together and we talk we share ideas we have like networking social hours you know even though it's um, COVID and we can't really see each other you know we are and we're all over the world so it's nice to connect online and that's what we do is we have these meetings at night and just kind of catch up and, and talk. And on one of those calls, um, I was so impressed. First off, to hear how many of my fellow Black team members are investing and saving and making their money work for them. And we talked about multiple streams of income because even though we are all in corporate America, we know that things can always change quickly and you may find yourself out of a job or unemployed, uh, no matter how good you are, those things may happen. And it was so many people on that call who were like, oh yeah, well, I'm investing in this and I have these properties and I have this. And Lee dropped so much knowledge on that call that everybody was like, Lee, you got to come back and we just going to talk to you about this knowledge. And I asked him, I went to him later and I said, brother, you got to come on the podcast and tell, you know, my people, you got to come in the living room and tell the community about this deal right here, because 
this, I learned some things that I had never heard of and how I can build a better financial place for my children. Because that's what's, you know, that's where I am. I, you guys know that I'm, um, I'm divorced. I'm a mom of two boys. And, and my goal is to make sure that I leave a legacy. And my parents always taught me, and my father always said, you always want to make sure your children have better than you had or have more than you had. You don't ever want to leave lacking or with less. And they did that for me. My father did that. My mom is still with us, thank God. But, you know, the whole plan is you want your children to live better. And I am hoping that and praying, but also building a foundation for my sons and educating them on finance and money because that's just not something you study in school. That's not something you learn about. And if you didn't major in business or you didn't major in finance or major in 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 law and real estate law, you might not know these things. But Lee and has Johnson has made it easy for us all. He's going to be on here today talking about how we make our money work for us, how we change our mindset about money, about success, about about building and about community. And that's one thing that he said, you guys, I'm going to drop everything in the show notes so that you can follow him. He and his wife are doing that. They're building community and educating people on how you can do it yourself and, and breaking it down. So this is a high level talk because we can't even get into like the deep, deep details. He's already promised me he's coming back to the show and I'm going to hold him to that. So Without even holding any longer, y'all, welcome Lee Johnson into the living room on the Because Life Can Be a Niche podcast. First of all, I just want to welcome you into the living room and and, and to um, all of our lifers. Uh, guys, you're, you're in for a real treat because Lee is awesome. Um, Lee, the way we kind of even got to this uh, place is because you and I work together. And we're we're in the corporate we're in the corporate career uh, place, and and we were all on, on a meeting together, and I was so impressed to hear all of the knowledge coming from you, sir, about multiple streams of income, and what you're doing outside of just the traditional uh, workforce. Because I think first of all, you're brilliant and excellent at the company that we work for. So Thank that you. let me just say that, but when you started dropping the knowledge on the the real estate game and and how you and how you can actually have investments that are working beyond what you see just you know turning on the computer you had knowledge to me that i had never heard of so can you just tell me first of all what made you and your wife say let's do a little bit more than just work for a company, let's do let's do some investing. How did that even happen? Well, and thank you for for having me. Um, my life has been up and down all around, right? So I remember when I graduated from college, I had about uh, seventy, maybe eighty thousand dollars in student loans. And, you know, after the grace period, I had my own apartment, I had my own car, and I received my invoice, my pay invoice for my student loan bills. It was going to be north of $700. And I didn't know how I was going to be able to 
pay $700 when I was still just, you know, having a couple hundred bucks every month over my pay after everything was done and now make a, a $700 a month payment. With that came, oh, I have to find something that is an alternative to what I'm doing. Fast forward to 20, 2010, I was working for Accenture. And when I was at Accenture, um, I had an opportunity to travel the world. So I went to Singapore for two years. I went to South Africa where I met my wife in Botswana. Uh, we did another two years there. Then we came back to uh, Washington and I helped uh, Costco to implement their SAP system. And since my wife is not from the United States, she had a little bit of struggles finding work, right? Uh, she has a, a, a an undergraduate degree from the University of Cape Town, but making a transition, she struggled just a little bit. So what I wanted to do is knowing that she's educated, she's really smart. I said, let's figure out something that we can do that's not tied to a nine to five. And we explored opening up a daycare business. Um, that didn't work out well. Franchises make you into a slave, in my opinion. But then we found real estate. So in 2014, we took a boot camp class for rehabbing properties, right? Like and flipping houses? Flipping houses. Yeah, okay. Right? <clears throat> and I remember when I was in undergraduate, when I was in undergraduate, I attended a program called the Educa Educational Opportunity Fund. It's for, you know, underrepresented minorities, helping them to navigate the college experience because they have a lot of people who start college get themselves into debt but they don't finish and that's the worst thing that could happen so at the eof program they said look left look right 50 percent of the people who are here today won't end with a degree and i said that that wasn't going to be me so when I was at this boot camp class, there were probably like 20 or 30 folks in there. And I said to myself, again, I'm going to be one who comes out of this class and I'm going to do something with this knowledge. So I did the bold move and I walked up to the instructor and I said, within one month after finishing this boot camp class, we will have started our first flip. I will not let 30 days go by and not have done anything with this information. So long story short, we uh, got into our first flip about 13 days after ending that boot camp. We flipped that property in about 90 days. I learned a lot by flipping that property. But long story short, we made about $45,000 on our first flip and we had no idea what we were doing. But the long story short of that experience is that you have to surround yourself with a network of people who have your best interests at heart. And any, any advice that I give to anyone who's looking to come into real estate 
is to find a network that you can trust, that they are willing to help you to provide information, help you grow. And from there, you just got to, you just got to, you know, dive in deep. So that's how we got started in real estate. But, you know, I'm ambitious with my, my professional career, you know, always wanting to do more. But, you know, a, a good problem to have is that the more money you make, the more Uncle Sam takes. That's right. So I reached a certain point in my life where I didn't want to make any more money because Uncle Sam would take more money. Okay. So I started, I read the cash flow quadrant, right, by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad probably in 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. If, and that book helped me to understand that there are different quadrants of making income and the best quadrant for making income is from passive investments and it's through those passive investments where you know you don't have to do anything there are uh tax uh write-offs that you can uh realize from making those investments, but also they are taxed at the capital gains rate, which is, I think it's about 15, the highest, maybe about 21%. Whereas income that you make as a W-2 employee is taxed upwards of 40% at the most. So understanding that, I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to do this um, via investments and passive income. Plus, you know, as they say in the South, God bless him. Donald Trump, when I saw that uh, he was able to write off so much from his taxes and it was through real estate, I said to myself, you know, he might be an idiot for all of these different things. And you could bleep that out if you can. But he knew how to do this. So I learned you you don't have to, you know, kill the messenger, but you have to learn and take the good part to what the messenger is communicating and use it for your own. So I said, hey, real estate. If you talk to people, read different books, it says that more millionaires have been made in real estate than any other investment. So I took a couple of all of those things and I made it into my own gumbo, as they say. And from there, it's just been trial by error, but taking calculated risk. Now, when you say taking calculated risk, so you made your own gumbo. What do you what do you mean by by that in terms of what did you do? What what is your gumbo? Because I know you're you guys are educating others. Yes. On how to do this. So tell me about that. Oh, great question. And when I say taking a calculated risk, there was a book, and I'm an avid reader, right? I read book and you know, I have I came up from a single parent household. I have five brothers and sisters and a single mother, right? So we have very humble beginnings. I wasn't 
an avid reader until after I left college, right? Mm-hmm. I was that guy who had enough intelligence to make it through just by, you know, doing enough. But knowing where I wanted to go, I use books as an opportunity to get experience. Yeah. Although I haven't been in that particular scenario, I have the experience of actually being there through my experience in a book. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm an avid reader. I probably try to read about one book a month, maybe one book every two months. So I have a full library here. So to start out with that story, uh, a long time ago when I was trying to be a day trader, I read a book on trading stocks that was written by a psychologist who also traded stocks. The name of the book is How to Trade for a Living. I don't recall the name of the author, but in that book, it talks about preservation of capital is the number one rule to trading stocks, preservation of capital. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, if you lose your money, you're out of the game. Plus, you got all of the uh, emotional and psychological effects that prevents you from getting back into the game. Right. So that book talks about preservation of capital is your number one weapon, because when you lose it, you're out of the game. Mm -hmm. So when I say calculated risk, right, I will look to understand the investment vehicle right before making a move into that investment vehicle and. I would say I'm more of a conservative investor, and I'll give you an example. I'm conservative to the fact that it's, in hindsight, to my detriment. (laughs) A friend of mine sent me an email in 2013 to look at making an investment into Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. 2013. If I had, and this is a lesson learned that I now take forward, I would put $1,000 or $2,000 into a novel investment if it makes some kind of sense. But, you know, being conservative, you know, I decided that, hey, this Bitcoin was a scam. But seven, eight years later, it could have been a vehicle to retirement. Right? Yeah. So, Put something at risk. You you, got to have your long shot goals or long shot investments, moonshot investments, per se. I would say take something that you're willing to lose and take a chance on it. And if I had taken a chance on Bitcoin, you know, hindsight is always 2020. The The rear view mirror is always clearer than the windshield, as they say. I wish I had done that. I didn't, so I'm still grinding, doing what I'm doing, building my millions via the slow route because I know that the slow route actually works. So, you know, reading books, always growing, educating myself, all of those books come into gumbo, right? And I I read all my books really slow, right? If, 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 
If Same I can way. read more than 10 pages in the book, I don't even read the book anymore. <laughs> I'll put it down. Uh -huh. But you don't have to put it down to forget about it. There are certain times where you're just not ready for whatever that book is given to you. Mm -hmm. And I've picked up two books over the last uh, two years, like good to great from a work experience perspective. I had that book for 15 years and I hadn't read it. Mm -hmm. I read it over the last two years. And guess what? It's like enlightened me. I have conversations about things that I haven't yet experienced, but I have the knowledge inside of my head to know, oh, well, this is what they have said in that book. And I could even sometimes go back to the page, right, where it is marked because I highlight in my books, I put those little post-it strips in my books, but mm -hmm. I believe that knowledge is the key in if you can teach someone something, that's when you know, when you understand that experience. So I am of the experience that I am going to get more by giving this information that I know away rather mm -hmm. than keeping it all for myself. And I tell my people on my meetup is that when I'm on my yacht, I only want to be on my yacht with friends, right? And I want you all to come with me, right? I don't want to be on my yacht by myself. I want to be on my yacht with my friends. So come along. Mm -hmm. I want to be on the yacht too. <laughs> come along. <laughs> now, so then let's talk about that. Let's get into that a little bit. We're, I, I'm in my 40s. Mm -hmm. um, and I share that with you earlier. I'm divorced mom of two boys. I have a 401k, I have savings, I have an IRA. So, but you talked about making your money work for you. What would you say to me? What, what would, if I came into your meetup, what would you say? Like, listen, sis, this is, this is what you need to do to start because a lot of people need to know how do I start? Oh, interesting. And I would say you look like you're just out of college a couple of days, but Ooh, thank uh, you. <laughs> let's start that. from there. Uh, understanding that, you know, we no longer live in a time and period where people work for one company their entire lives, right? Those days are gone, whether or not if you were a Ford or a General Motors or a GE person. The days of a person working for one company for 40 plus, 50 plus years are over. That said, most people will have several jobs throughout their work career. If they're contributing to their 401ks, right, once they leave those jobs, they are able to move those 401k monies anywhere they like, as long as it's a like-for-like -like type of transfer. So you can take what you have inside of a 401k and you can transfer that to another IRA, right? Mm -hmm. But the benefit in what most people don't know is there is a term called a self-directed IRA where you have a custodian 
and the custodian is just there to meet the obligations that the Ezra law says, but the custodian can give you checkbook control over the investments that you're going to make. For instance, I am with self. I am with uh, a company called Broad Financial, mm-hmm. right? And Broad Financial has a custodian called Madison Trust. Now, what they did for me is they created something called an IRA LLC, right? So they created me this LLC, and this LLC I do all of my investments out of. So you leave a job, you move over to a new job. You can leave that IRA money where it is. I say don't do that because if you look at the schedule, you'll see that there are so many fees. And those fees are eroding the growth of the asset, Mm -hmm. right? You can take that money and move it to another 401k, you can transfer it into your new employer's 401k, but that's still more of the same. You are only allowed to make investments in whatever funds that they have there, right? Right. I would say a much better thing to do is to transition that money into a self-directed IRA, and then you get to control where those investments are. So I tell people at the end of the day, if you trust yourself that you're not going to commingle in those funds, move it over to a self-directed IRA with checkbook access. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust yourself so much, you can move yourself directed over to a custodian who has more rules in place, such as the equity trust. And when you want to make an investment, you fill out a form. They ask you a bunch of questions. They'll send you the money. It takes a little bit of time for them to get you the money. Mm-hmm. When you're doing real estate in the fashion that I'm doing real estate, you need to act with speed. So I have checkbook access And that's how I've been doing a lot of my investments inside of my IRA. Mm -hmm. But with any disposable income that I have outside of my IRA, I have also made other investments there. Right. So real estate or in something else. So now when you're doing inside the IRA, Mm -hmm. that's pre-tax income. Right. So they're only going to be able to get taxes on that at 59 and a half. Right. When you have right. to, when you can start withdrawing, but with uh, 401k type of money, you only have to start automatic, man, you're mandated to start withdrawing at age like 70. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about post tax income, you want that money to be able to grow. Right. And you mm-hmm. can do something like a, a Roth IRA, right? Mm-hmm. But when it came to what I wanted to invest in with my wife, we learned about this concept called the infinite banking concept, right? Mm-hmm. And the infinite banking concept came from a guy named Robert Nelson Nash, 
He just passed on about two years ago, but he created a book called Becoming Your Own Bank. And long story short of the infinite banking concept is you can use vehicles, right, that can grow tax-free. The vehicle that we chose to use was an investment in a whole life insurance policy. And I'll tell you why we went there. We went there because it is a life insurance policy, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone needs a life insurance policy because eventually one thing that's guaranteed to us is death. Mm -hmm. So that will take look after your death benefit when that should occur, hopefully later, right? Right. However, whole life insurance policies, and there are a number of levers that are in there, whole life insurance policies grow cash value as well as death benefit, right? Right. So you can get a whole life in policy that you can pay off the premium portion of it in 10 years, 20 years. You can have it even go out to 65, right? Mm -hmm. The thing about it is death benefits when they're paid out are not taxable to your beneficiaries, right? right? That's right. right. However, as you continue to uh, pay up the premium and we did a 10-year pay, after 10 years, the insurance policy literally can pay for itself with the dividends as well as continuing to grow cash value. Now, in between that time, I can access that cash value component of the life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, because we studied this inside and out before we made the investment, it's best to get a life insurance policy on a child. Why? Because the insur- the life policy is based off the actuary table. And the actuary table says how long you are expected to live. And guess what? For children, they don't have to do a medical exam. So what we have done is we got policies on our kids, Mm -hmm. which are growing in value today. And maybe, maybe not, it might not have enough because inflation when it comes to uh, universities and college is tremendously high. However, extremely. However, now we have these cash policies in the name of the children that we can continue to use until we transfer it over to them. So us as the parent, we can control those life insurance policies because guess what? After 10 years, they're going to be paid up and they're going to continue to grow until they pass on. Mm -hmm. So the concept that I have now, and I tell people who work with us is make sure don't give a kid, you know, money at birth. Go and get them a life insurance policy, right? 
because eventually you can transfer it over to them. Mm-hmm. But it grows cash value. You can control it. And then you're good with everything from that point. So that's something that we learned uh, probably about three years ago. There's a gentleman named George Antone mm-hmm. who created a company called Finance. And he has three books, Debt Millionaire and How to Use Debt to Grow Your Investments. He has the Wealth Code, which tells you, well, how rich people stay wealthy. And then he has the banker's code and it's through the banker's code that I was led to R. Nelson's Nash book on becoming your own banker. And I use all three of those books four of those books in order to make my own strategy for making this type of investment. So I could have a conversation and I'm not a financial advisor. I always have to disclose that, but I can point people into the correct direction based upon where they are in their life, right? So if you're in your 60s and you're looking to do something, right, it's going to be a different strategy that you'll have versus if you're in your 20s, right? A person in their 20s, because the actuarial table says that they're going to live to be 80 and the life insurance premiums would be cheap. I would say start that now. Pay whatever it's going to take. But after 10 years, if you do a 10-year pay, you never have to pay it again. It's going to use its dividends to pay for the premiums, and it's going to continue to grow in cash value. Why wouldn't you do that? So insurance gets a bad rap. I think like most things, Mm -hmm. you have to, you know, roll up your sleeves, get your hands dirty to understand what the concept is. And if it works for you, it works for you. Execute, right? Take a calculated risk. If you fail, fail forward. And if you fail, you want to learn, you want to fail fast because then you have to pick up the learnings and just that into your system, know what you did wrong, Right. Mm-hmm. And keep it moving. I have a poster right here next to my garage door as I woke out, walk out. It's with Nelson Mandela. And it says, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And what I have done around my whole house is I've put these little messages to me, to my, my family, so that we're always thinking about what it is that we have to do because I will be very honest in telling you this. I was told as a child that I was limited in the things that I could do. When I think about that story, I remember the Malcolm X movie where he was talking with his his teacher and she told him, Malcolm, those types of jobs aren't for black people. And I feel, you know, that was in probably the early, uh, the early 20th century when, when he was told that, right. Mm -hmm. I'm a 70s baby. Right. And I was told that. And I feel as though a lot of people who look like me are told that. 
So the first thing that I learned to do is you got to clear the mind, right? Mindset is everything. Uh, if a person thinks they can do something and believes it, then they can actually go do it. I believe a hurdle to a lot of people moving forward is the mental issues that are there that are preventing them to say, I can't do it. I don't have this. I don't have that. Those are just mental things that are holding you back from reaching your destiny. So I start with mindset and, you know, I did a, I did a, a meetup the other day at the beginning of the year because it's at the beginning of the year when people start making all of these New Year's resolutions. Right. So I wanted to start off 2021 understanding the pandemic was still raging. I wanted to start off the year by telling people, don't make a resolution. Let's figure out how to change our mindset, right? How to, you know, get rid of the limiting beliefs, right? Push down the limiting beliefs and expand upon the empowering beliefs, right? And right. You, you have to take those negative ideas and get them out of your mind so that you can replace those negative ideas because they're still going to be there. You have to replace those negative ideas with empowering ideas because they're going to fight each other, right? Right. And then you take those empowering ideas, you figure out, well, what are going to be your goals? But I also say, this is another book from a gentleman named James Clear called Atomic Habits. Don't focus on your goals, Focus on your systems that will lead you to your goals. And if you do that, you will eventually reach the goal. And I use this for myself. I was overweight, right? And I wanted to lose weight, right? So mm -hmm. I said, oh, here's a target weight that I want to be at. Rather than focusing on my target weight and getting on the scale every day, I said to myself, I need to exercise every day. Every day I eat, every day I need to exercise, right? Mm -hmm. So I watch a show, a news program, and I said to myself, I cannot watch that show on a couch. So if I want to watch that show, I have to either be on my, my stationary bike or on my elliptical. Mm -hmm. And it's called the reward system, right? right? James right. Clear in Atomic Habits talks about how you use the systems to reach your goals. You don't just focus on the goals. Because when you don't focus on the goal, you see, we're going we're gonna to do the whole mind trip. When you focus only on the goal and you don't achieve it, you say to yourself, I'm a loser. Right. Yep. That then puts a negative or a limiting belief into your subconscious mind. Yeah. Once something is into your subconscious mind, you can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's there just messing with you. Mm -hmm. Right. If you, you focus on your systems, mm -hmm. 
right? Even if you don't exercise for one day, you can get back up and say, the system says I have to do this. And now you're a winner. And Mm -hmm. I often tell people, even people on my team, let's focus on a 1% improvement. And there's a chapter in the book where they did 1% increments and they have a chart that says if you make 1% improvements every day at the end of the year, you'll be 38 times better. But if you make 1% off of 1% and it's these small incremental changes that you do in order to reach your goal. As an example, James Clear talks about in the book, if you want to read a book, but you know, everybody's life is busy, right? Mm -hmm. What you do is you put the book onto your pillow, right? You make up your bed, you take the book, you put it on your pillow. And eventually, if you read one page, five pages, 10 pages a night, before going to bed, eventually you will reach the end of that book. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's because you built up a habit of reading before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many pages you read, I guarantee you, you will eventually get to the end of that book. And that's a, a, a wonderful uh, analogy that you can put together on how these things about systems actually work. So it's a, it's a whole bunch of this, a whole bunch of that. But just reading, educating ourselves, taking that knowledge and putting it to action. Mm-hmm. One of the quotes that I built out for myself is people say, oh, you're different. You're lucky. You're this. And I say luck is when opportunity meets preparation. But you will see that if you Google it on the definition of luck all over the Internet right? Mm -hmm. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation. And I've added a small sliver to that. Luck is when opportunity meets preparation plus massive action, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. You got to do the work. You got to get into the game. Yeah. You cannot you know, you can have people who are on the sidelines cheering, doing all of this, yelling at the referee. Mm. But one of the things that uh, trading for a living taught me is that it emotions kick mm-hmm. in, right? And the analogy that he used is that you can have a, a, a funny money account where you're trading, right? You're buying this stock, doing that stock, whatever have you. And you could actually be winning when you're playing with funny money. Mm-hmm. The difference is that when you get in with real money, your own money, emotions kick in. Emotions that you didn't even know you had, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have real money in the game, you become a different person. So right. that's where the massive action comes in. That comes in if you fail, fail fast, but fail forward. So all of these different things are all coming together. And now that the foundation is built, right? The foundation is built. 
it's only able to grow bigger and grow bigger and grow bigger, right? And there's a book that I have. It talks about the different levels that people are on. And I would say me, I started out not even at the step. I started in the basement, right? (laughs) But now if I can get to step number one or number two, you start thinking about the legacy that you leave and what is it that your children, your grandchildren, what step are they going to be on that you've prepared for them so they're not starting on the first step? So I know I said a lot there, right? But that's just the way I think about the world. And I'm strategic in my thinking. I always look at what the end point is and I plan back. Right. So my goal is retirement. Right. So if you want to retire early, you want this amount of money to retire and to leave a legacy for your children. And you look at that and then you you basically work backwards. Now, one thing that you mentioned, two things that you mentioned. One, I hope y'all are listening and getting it about the insurance. I did that uh, put with my children in the whole life insurance. It Mm -hmm. is an investment instrument that... I, and I didn't even realize it at first. And then, like you said, when I figured it out, I was like, oh. This makes sense. This just makes sense. Anyway, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'll do insurance anyway. But why not have it making money for you and then serving as a benefit? But the other thing that you said was about when you change jobs, you can use that 401k money to and put it with a custodian and then you can use that money to invest. But what if we're still at the job and we have all this money sitting there? How can you still use some of that money? How do you have the capital to get to the point where you can invest in, in real estate? Because we're not talking a couple of hundred bucks here. Mm-hmm. We're talking, you know, how much do you need and how do you even do that if you're still at a job and you don't have access to that money because it'll be taxed? Yeah. So there's a couple different ways that you can actually get creative about it, right? One of the ways you can is you can take a loan from your 401k. The good thing about that is that you're paying yourself back, right? And you're paying Mm -hmm. yourself back with interest, right? The Mm -hmm. negative to that is that the monies that you take out for the loan, usually they liquidate some of your funds to have the cash value to give you the loan so you it's not growing that's one of the reasons why when you understand the infinite banking right you want uh i think it's called a non-recoverable type of loan but don't hold me to that but it's the policy where if you take a loan out from the policy the cash value didn't go down by the a loan amount right you're basically taking a loan from the insurance company right mm-hmm but it's tied against what your cash value is. So it's still growing and compound interest is the best thing to do. So first thing to to, to answer the question is, if you are still with the employer, you can't move those funds anywhere, but you have access to a loan. The second piece of this is there are many channels that can be used to make real estate happen. For instance, 
I now know, having been in the real estate game for several years, is that if you find a good deal, if you find a good deal, I don't care how you get to the good deal, but if you find a good deal, money will not be your problem, right? Because if you are a member of a real estate club, a local RIA, and you go down to that RIA and you say to someone, I have a distressed property under contract and it's valued at $150,000, but I have it under contract for $60,000. I just need money to make this happen. You will have a line of people waiting to, to work with you because they know that that's a good deal. So that's called being a wholesaler or a bird dog, right? You can mm-hmm. use all of that to get into real estate. But also you can say, well, I have to, if I don't have money, then I have to have time or I have to bring something to the table mm-hmm. that will bring the money, right? And, you know, I started watching those videos with Carlton Sheets, so I'm showing my age, ages ago, but these are the same concepts that he was talking about. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you get introduced to something, but it doesn't resonate with you at that time. Right. A lot of this resonated. A lot of this was introduced to me with Carlton Sheets uh, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. But now it's things that are real to me because I'm using those experiences every single day. Gotcha. So talk to me because that, that makes perfect sense. And I, I didn't think about that taking a loan out because you can borrow from your 401k. Um, talk to me about what you're doing with the multi housing investment, because we talk about flipping houses, but I know that, you know, part of your um, business that you and your wife are building and in, in wealth and in wealth education too, is making money multiple ways. How, I don't, I didn't even know until I heard you talking about it, that you could invest in multifamily mm-hmm. uh, projects and things. And I know that's a big topic. So if you can just, if you want to just give us the high level and then we're going to tell people how they can find you guys so that they can come into your meetups and get all of this information and details because you are so strategic in how you explain it. But can you just, you know, drop a little bit of it on us today? All right. So when it comes to commercial investments, and this is something that I had to learn, and I learned this from being a flipper, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have any W-2 income, once you exceed 150,000, right? All of your options are limited in what you can do from a tax write-off perspective. So if you're doing flips, right? And you have a W-2, all you're doing is increasing your tax bracket or raising yourself to a higher tax bracket. And then by doing so, you know, you're paying more money to Uncle Sam. I don't push people away from doing flips I say if the flips work for you and your situation at this very moment, continue to do so, right? So we did flips. 
did several flips. And that's one of the reasons why my wife went and got her realtor's license because, hey, we were giving away money to our realtor because right. literally the uh, the house is beautiful at that point in time, right? Every, you know, the floors are done, granite countertops, stainless steel appliances. People walk in there and you almost have a bidding situation on every single one. Do you really need to give uh, 5% four and a half percent to realtors for bringing uh, buyers to you. You don't. So we, we started listing our own properties, but once we started to realize that, Hey, we were just, you know, doing these flips, going through the stress of doing these flips and giving a lot of the money to uncle Sam, we said, Oh no, we need to go onto the passive side. So we knew, you know, using Donald Trump as an example, right? Commercial real estate allows you to have tax write-offs. So there's something called depreciation, right? But with multifamily or commercial, you can do something called accelerated depreciation, right? Okay. So a multifamily asset has a depreciation schedule of 20 plus years, Right. If you do mm -hmm. something called accelerated depreciation, you can push all of that depreciation into 10 years. You can accelerate the depreciation. Now, these are only paper losses because if the apartment building is occupied, it's drawing income. It's not going to be a real loss. It's just a paper loss. Right. Writing out up is a paper loss. It's a paper it's loss. Losing anything. But it's not losing anything. And then as a matter of fact, it's actually growing in value. Right. Okay. Okay. So when it comes to commercial investing, there are a couple different types. There's core, there's core plus, there's value add, and there's opportunistic. Right. Mm -hmm. Opportunistic is when you basically are investing in a syndication where they're building something that doesn't exist. That's where you see apartments that start out as dirt. They grow up into the sky. They have to lease those out. The returns on those are pretty high. It's just that the risk reward balance is there because it's very risky, right? You don't make any income until that property is built and that can take two years. Then it has to be leased up and then you start paying off the investors. The reason why I like multifamily value add is because with value add multifamily, the property is already generating cash flow, right? Okay. But what I'm doing is I'm doing a flip on steroids. With a flip, I'm usually focused on one unit at a time. Three mm -hmm. months in, three months out, flip is done. Economies of scale allow for me with a flip economies of scales with a flip allows me to do a hundred flips all at once. Okay. So what you're going to do with commercial is it's based off the NOI, which is the net operating income, right? Okay. Multifamily assets are judged based off of how much the net operating income is, right? And there's a formula around net operating income, mm -hmm. but the short story is, if I renovate a house, right, and I make it beautiful, I only can sell that house 
based upon the comps for other houses around it. That's true. Right? right. Mm-hmm. And that property will only go up as high as the market is also going up for that same property. That's right. So that's called market appreciation. Mm-hmm. With multifamily, because it's based on the NOI, I can do something called forced appreciation, where if I can reduce the exper- expenses, right, of the property, but raise the income that increases the NOI, it's called forced appreciation. Mm-hmm. And with forced appreciation, I can increase the value of that property by the things that I am doing, regardless of the market. Right. Now, there are certain constraints of doing this, but now you are in control. You are driving it, whereas the S&P 500 is getting 9%, 10%, 11%. When you're doing these multifamily deals, you can get, they call it IRR, in the high teens. I have even been a part of deals where the IRR has gone up north of 25%. Right. So here it is that you're making these investments. But the long story short of it is that these assets aren't purchased. These assets aren't purchased by one individual. Okay. There's usually a team of people who come together with their resources Mm -hmm. to form an LLC that then purchases that asset. Right. Right. And then they have a business plan for making the renovations, adding amenities, increasing the rents, increasing the NOI. And typically they sell off those assets in three to five years. Right. But this is the beautiful thing. And it's not for if you're investing on the LP side. Right. Because the IRS wants you to basically do two things either create jobs or build housing for people mm-hmm. and if you read a book by tom Wilwright called um it's tom Wilwright book tax tax tax-free wealth he tells you that the tax code is written for investors and you'll get both the same out of tax-free wealth as well as the cash flow quadrant, they tell you all of this, right? Right. But the IRS has something called the 1031 exchange, right? And the 1031 exchange says that when you sell an asset, Mm -hmm. that when you sell an asset, you don't have to pay taxes on the sale of that asset If you buy a like kind asset, so if you sell an apartment building and you buy another apartment building, guess what? You don't pay taxes on the one you just sold. You just sold. Oh, wow. It is called the 1031 exchange. There are certain rules around it. There's intermediaries that come into play. Right. However, this is my strategy, and I heard this from a, a, a gentleman who was explaining this. He called it swap until you drop. 
I sell like one, get another one. Uh-huh. Now you didn't take the monies out. Right. When you sold it and you purchased a new one. Right. But after a couple of years, you can refinance that. And guess what? There's no tax on okay. the refinance. So you pull out that money, allow that investment to still grow, executing your strategy, and then you do it all over again. And if you st- the earlier you start, the more times you can do this. Right. But when I learned about this, I said, there's no way I am not going to be all over this. Right. There's no so, way. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. So tell me then. How much money, first of all, do you help people with starting an LLC? Can they be a part of your investment group? How do people even get the, the I guess, the know-how to well, do this? Like I said, always build out your circle of trust. Mm-hmm. Find people who are like-minded, like you. Build out a network of trust because this is all going to happen within your circle, right? Mm -hmm. And then always educate yourself, build a habit of reading books, and always the books aren't going to lay it all out for you. You got to read multiple of these books so that you can then form your own recipe for what's going to work for you. I have made an obligation to myself and to my group is that my meetup will always be free, right? Okay. I might charge a dollar, and but that dollar we're going to give to some type of charity. We're not right. in this right now to make money, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing pretty good in that department, mm-hmm. right? But I understand that when I go to these conferences, I don't see people who look like me for the most part. Right. And I figure... If I'm writing my obituary or tombstone, I want them to say this guy, Lee Johnson, he gave a lot back to the community. Right. And if I could leave it better than when I found it, I think we're 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 in business. Right. The work is done. That's right. If you can bring others along with you and educate and so is the meetup for can how can people learn from you? How can people who are watching right now follow you? What 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 can people do to learn more? Because you share a lot. You have a lot of information. I know you're pushing content out there. Mm-hmm. So how what what would you say if somebody's like, you know, I'm interested. I want to I want to make things different for my. I want to leave a legacy. I'm ready. So the first part is on Twitter. Is where. Our, ha- our handle is Passive REI Pros. Passive REI Pros. Okay. Right? We also have the same thing on LinkedIn. Uh, on Facebook, we are Value Investment Partners slash Loudon REI Connect. So we, we, we didn't know what we were doing when we created the Facebook page. So <laughs> we kind of sort of had to make that work. But our website is valueinvestmentpartners.com, valueinvestmentpartners, 
the the acronym is VIP, right? So we call all of our colleagues partners, right? Because we're going to grow in this together. So that's the website. Those are the Twitter handles. The meetup group is Loudon, L-O-U-D-O-U-N. That's where we live. REI Connect. When we started the meetup, right, we wanted it to be just a local type of thing, right? We never wanted it to grow to be ginormous. It was for local people to come in and learn about making investments, but COVID changed everything, right? right? So now we've opened it up using Meetup as a vehicle. We'll continue to do Meetups, right? But the local component is still going to be the local component. And then we're going to start up a, a YouTube channel for value investment partners. We're there and uh, my wife is exploring and thanks you, Katie, for, you know, just being a brain trust on how to, you know, communicate better to the external world. Right. So, you know, before we started this, you gave me a whole bunch of apps that I'm going to share well, with my wife so that we can just continue to give content out there. And hey, if what we're delivering to others, if it works for you, it works for you. Come and join. Come learn. Uh, come and share your experience and your knowledge with right. others in the group so that we all can grow together. At the end of the day, when we party, we want to party with friends, right? When we're on our yacht, we want to be there with friends. So that's 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 where we are. That is that's perfect. That's wonderful. And I, I love what you said about, you know, it's about giving back to the community. And I want to thank you for coming on and just sharing just pieces into it. Lee, I didn't realize, I mean, First of all, the fact that you can remember all the books you read, all the authors who wrote them, I'm like, man, I need to take my ginkgo galoba or something. I, 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 remember. I don't know what I would be without my memory, right? So hopefully, you know, that I, I see that guy on that commercial that talks about uh, he takes these pills so that he can maintain right. his memory. I don't know what I would be without my memory, but, uh, you know, Hey, if I forget it, I hopefully forget it after I don't need it anymore, right? I have a company of people and they're executing the system for me versus me having to execute everything all on my own. Mm -hmm. But hey, uh, yeah, I I'm a big fan of books. Uh, I remember because uh, Vernon Jordan just passed away uh, one or two weeks back. And the first book that I read was his Vernon could read. So oh. I read that book and that was the book that kind of sort of lit me up about sure. reading and learning, etc. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Vernon Jordan is no longer with us, but I remember I was watching PBS NewsHour and mm -hmm. Ursula Burns, who is the former CEO of Xerox, spoke about Vernon Jordan and how he had impacted her life. She basically mm -hmm. said, at every milestone event of my life, Vernon has been there for me. So mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, the legacy that you leave 
when you're done with your business here on earth. Right. What Ursula Burns did for Vernon Jordan is how I would hope that others will speak of me when when my business is done here as well. Absolutely. Well, you are definitely on the right track for for making that happen. And I am I mean that that's that is success. I mean, people measure success in a lot of different ways, but when you are learning and growing and developing and then finding a way to help someone else, sharing the information. We talked about crabs in the barrel um, and before we started and, and, and how sometimes people just want to hold on to it and, and keep it to themselves. But when, you, when you're like this, nothing's coming in and nothing's going out. But I mean, when you share things, so our whole community grows. And, and I love that about your business concept and your foundation. I can't wait to chat with your wife when we, we get a chance so we can put our heads together. Um, but just one more thing that I wanted to ask you is um, how little money do you need? Like, Because people are probably hearing like multifamily, like, oh, investing, I must need $100,000. I must need 200000 what can you take? Because I want people to know that that it doesn't take a whole lot. It just takes being smart about what you already have. So what what is the the if I'm like bottom of the Yeah. So <laughs> the the there's one investment that we're invested in right now, and it's a property called MacArthur in Texas. Mm-hmm. That property was the lowest that we invested in, and that was twenty five thousand dollars. Right. The average property that comes across our desk is for fifty thousand dollars. Right. But again, I don't want people to get stuck on the fact of fifty thousand dollars. Right. Use your mind, eliminate the limit the limiting belief, find an empowering belief that will figure out and show you how to get there. And if you're not there today, Put together your your goal. Understand you're going to put in place the system that will get you to the $50,000 that you need in order to make that investment. So for instance, I'll give you an example. You don't have $50,000 today, right? So let's just say you find other people who are interested in real real estate like yourself, and they don't have $50,000. You figure out a way to get to $50,000 together, right? And if that takes five people at $10,000 or if it takes 20 people at $5,000, you do what you have to do because by just being involved in one deal, the experience will teach you what is necessary in order to continue to grow. So we invested in our first deal on the multifamily side in 2018. And now we're up to somewhat like 19 different syndications that we're involved in, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. in, in a matter of three years, you can learn enough about the business to be involved in it and you will continue to grow because you're not on the sidelines, you're actually in the game. And, and one thing that we didn't talk about, and, and we're not going to get into the details because we're going to wrap it up. Hey, have me back. 
I'm gonna have you back. We, we definitely come back. I mean, we got to do another part. We're gonna do a part two, and mm-hmm. we're gonna get people over with all everything you spoke about. We'll have in the show notes, and we'll have it on the screen, so people will be able to see it and, and take notes. But if if you invest twenty five thousand or fifty thousand, just give us a rough estimate. What could you make off of that one investment at, once it's all settled? So when it comes to this is the reason why I do value add because it is immediately cash flowing. So we don't, and this is something that we do for our partners is we underwrite every deal that we share with our partners. Mm-hmm. We don't invest in uh, deals that don't have a preferred return and we'll get into preferred return later, but a preferred return long story short says that the investors who came into the pool get paid before the sponsor right? And we don't go into deals that have uh, a preferred less than 7%, right? So on a $50,000, 7% gets you $333.33 a month. How do I know? Because every month when I go and look at my account, I see that same amount come in, right? So you're getting the cash flow on a monthly basis, monthly or quarterly. A lot of companies went to quarterly payments versus monthly because they were preserving cash flow during COVID. So you get that, right? But then remember, I told you, if you can raise the NOI in five years, they're looking to sell this property at an an increased value. So typically you can 3X your money. So that $50,000 in five years will turn into $150,000. If you understand the metrics that you need to put in to make that investment, you have to read the business plan, right? You have to understand the minor details inside of the PPM. The PPM is the private placement memorandum. That's where all of the details about the deal are there. If it's not there, it's a lie. Everything has to be in there. And it's usually going to be a hundred to a 200 page document that says everything that can go wrong with the investment is there. So that's what you have to do, but you can literally 3X your money. So the performer will say how much money you expect to return on a $50,000, $100,000 investment, right? And typically it's gonna be, you know, one dot, almost 2% equity return on your money, but there are, different ones. So every single one is going to be different, but that's something that we look for when we're underwriting a deal. Excellent. I thank you. That, You're welcome. that definitely cleared it up. Lee, this has been this has been so enlightening. And I'm I am going to start following and, and getting in there so I can learn more from you, my friend. Uh this is good. You got to come back. Keep it coming. Follow us. Bring the questions to us. I love when I get a question from one of our partners and it's something that I hadn't thought about yet. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, my goodness, we have to (laughs) we have to do this. Right. Like we just did a meetup on building your business credit and why you don't want to use your personal credit in order to start a business. Mm -hmm. Right. We did. We we learned that because we were doing the exact same thing. So we Uh read two books that basically taught us how to build your business credit. And I couldn't wait to share that information with uh, with our partners. And now I hope that they're using it. But if they're not using it, then I don't know. 
right? But we read the books. We're doing this ourselves. We know what it takes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they find the content valuable and they're using it, taking massive action. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. know what, guys? You gotta follow, you gotta follow this, 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 first of all, Lee and his wife. Um, and we're gonna get everybody there. Thank you for joining us today in the living room, Lee. I appreciate it. I'm about to start reading more and trying to memorize <laughs> the author. I'm gonna try to just remember the name of the authors and the books I read. I, because I read a lot too, yeah. but I'm gonna read to learn. I mean, I need to start just not reading for leisure. I need to earn. Read to earn. That's right. That and uh, we're going to put on our website. Sorry, Katie. We're going to put on our website all of the books that we have read. You know, that's a page that I have my developer working on for me. Perfect. We're going to have all of the books with the links to Amazon so that, hey, if you wanted to pick this up, you know, you, you go there and learn. And it's vetted, right? We, we've read the book and we know what's there. Right. Excellent. I love it. Thank you, brother, for sharing the content. Fail forward. Y'all better get into <laughs> it. I'm going to get into it. Lee, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time to come on with me today. Uh, and with and our lifers and coming back. living room. Oh, yeah. You coming we'll back. It. We'll dissect it. Yes. We're going to break it down. You know, we're going we're gonna to give people, give people the knowledge or the start. Because all you need is a start to That's make it. the next step. Yes. 1% improvements. 1% improvement. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate you. Pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.